My name is Phoebe Dubar, also known as IKSRE. I'm a vocalist, viola player, music producer, certified practicing sound healer and card-carrying audiophile who experiences the world through her ears. And over the coming weeks, we're going to dive deep into the topic closest to my heart, sound, what it is and why it makes us feel the way that it does. We'll speak to experts and I'll even treat you to a few sound healing practices along the way. Welcome to What is Sound? Recorded on the stolen lands of the Bunurong and Bunurong people of the Kulin Nation. Always was, always will be. All is known in the sacredness of silence. Rumi. So welcome guys. Today, in an effort to give you a better understanding the power of sound as a healing modality, I figured I would go straight to the source. I'm so excited to introduce the man who has been responsible for the majority of my training as a sound healer. He's also training most of the world's new sound healers as well, arming them with the tools that they need to go out into the world and make a real difference. He has over 25 years experience as a therapist, coach and trainer. He runs the Sound Healing Academy and has a busy practice in Cornwall, England. Introduce yourself to the listeners. Oh, right. Okay. Well, who are you um, speaking to? Who is this voice? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you forgot to mention my name, I think. Exactly. But, uh, I mean, that's, maybe, that's, yeah. like, that's up to you. <laughs> so is that deliberate? You, you wanted me to say, my name is Tony Neck and I'm the principal of the Sound Healing Academy. Yay. There we Brilliant. go. Brilliant. <laughs> Welcome, Tony. And thank you so, so much for joining us today. <laughs> no, um, it's a real pleasure to be here. And thanks for inviting me. Thanks a lot. Oh, and I honestly, on a personal note, cannot thank you enough for the amazing training that Sound Healing Academy has given me. It's just oh. cannot rate you guys highly enough. Everyone who sort of says to me, should I do some training? I'm like, yes, 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 absolutely, 100%. Like cannot recommend highly enough. Oh, you're very kind. Thank you. I'm so glad you had such a great experience. Most people do, but, you know, it's really great to hear it. And thank you so much, Phoebe. It- and it's a real pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's it, it. Look, it was a lot of work. Um, I don't think I don't think I was fully yeah. anticipating <laughs> quite the level of work that was involved in doing the diploma. But at the time, I remember thinking, "God, how am I going to get through all of this?" But at the end of it, it does really just set you up, and you feel really confident to actually go out there and do your thing. Well, yeah, it's interesting that you say that because you know I I trained initially like over thirty years now in in shiatsu which is a form of um, energy work body work and so on you may be familiar with it it uses principles of um oriental medicine based on five element theory and meridians and all of that acupressure points and all of that kind of stuff and 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 i did a three-year training in that all right so this was um part-time it wasn't full-time but it was part-time but you know really i had to do as part of that training, you know, one or two practice sessions a week for three years. And I had to write case studies. And I also had one weekend a month training, uh, in-person training for that. And <clears throat> and so, and then there was like a five-day residential at the end. I had to take exams, all of that. That was my experience initially as I entered the field of complementary medicine. And I found that to be a very professional training program. Mm. And so when we offer a, a, a professional training course in sound healing that lasts essentially when you put our level one and our level two together for uh, 15 months, mm. you know, that's less than half the time that I spent learning to be a shiatsu practitioner and involves far less work. <laughs> mm. And so I think but it's it's yeah it, it is a bit time consuming it does require a lot of focus and a lot of energy but it's all relative you know exactly and, and i think that it's it's a good standard i think it does set people up with with the right kind of knowledge training experience and confidence and the skills to to do it one-on-one and in groups and that kind of thing and but it's you know and it's but it's not as long and as as in depth as some other forms of training. No, God, and no. so I think it's all relative, you know. So, 
Yeah, but at the same time, it's not like just turn up for a weekend and become a certified sound healing practitioner. No. You know, we are now actually in many different ways counted as being the, the, the number one global sound healing training organization mm. because, you know, for many reasons we've got trainers and teachers in lots of different countries operating, running our courses and things as well as an online program. And yeah, when you mentioned that, we're probably training most people. We are at, at this higher level in terms of sound healing training. You know, there's a lot of a lot of trainers out there doing sound healing training, um, and and then don't do it as in depth. They don't no. do it as professionally as us. <laughs> no, this is the thing. And so, yeah, you know, we are trying to set fairly high standards here because it, it, it in my view it is something that can be so incredibly powerful as a healing modality. And we're drawing on the experience ultimately of, of people over thousands of years, you know, who've been working with healing sounds in various ways, not only for like physical healing and emotional healing, but, but also for transformation, for evolution, for a kind of like spiritual transformation and evolution as well. And, and so all of these elements, you know, we're trying to integrate that into the form of sound healing that we teach. And alongside that, bring in the best of Western science and Western understanding of health and wellness and medicine, essentially, and integrating all of that into a, into a new process. And, and that's what we call integral sound healing as is really the form that we, we teach and that we practice. You know, it's like with yoga over the past 30 years or so there's you know when i first started coming into contact with yoga and i used to do a bit of practice although i wouldn't call myself a teacher or particularly a in-depth yoga practitioner anyway but you know when i first started it was like you know there weren't that many known forms of yoga it was basically a yenga or hatha mm. <laughs> or and then kind of like kundalini kind of came in a little bit after that but now, you know, how many different forms of yoga are there being promoted? Right? So many. Um, you've got yin yoga, you've got hammock yoga, you've got goat yoga, you've got so many different types. And, and, and it's a bit like that with sound healing, you know, as we as it's been around now in, in this kind of current form in the West for maybe 30, 40 years, growing in popularity. And, and I think people are starting to develop their own approach and specialisms within that. And so when we talk about integral sound healing, that is the form and our approach that we really major on. And it's different from what anybody, it's unique and different from what other people may offer. Wow, you guys are doing an absolutely amazing job of it. And um, I can speak from personal experience on that. And I know yeah, that thanks. the other people that I've spoken to um, who have also completed you know, the full certification have all said exactly the same thing as well too, um, just how well-equipped they feel at the end of it. It's, um, it, is, it is wonderful. We will circle back on that, but um, one thing I did want to just ask you, um, which is something that I ask everybody as the first question uh, before we sort of get going, which is a question that I really love hearing all the different responses to, and I've asked um, a bunch of very well-renowned practitioners, but also kids as well to this question. And the answer just always makes me smile. What, Tony, to you, what, what is sound? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's an interesting question, isn't it? Mm. Because we take sound for granted, you know, yep. and uh, it's, it's, as, as long as, you know, we're not deaf, you know, so if we can hear through our ears, we take sound for granted. And in fact, it is known that the, the first sense organ to develop in the fetus is actually our hearing capacity, is, is the auditory capacity through the ears. And the baby gets, gets attuned to the sound of the mother's heartbeat mm. in the fetus. And, and that becomes like a primary regulator of the development of the fetus and of, and, and of the nervous system of the fetus. And, and is when we think about sounds in our bodies, <laughs> That's what we immediately start think of first is like the beating of a heart. And so what when I think of sound, I, 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 it is an embodied thing for me. It is something mm. that I that I hear not only through my ears, but that I experience through my body, through my 
through my skin, through my tissues, through my bones. And, and I also experience it in this inner way as my heartbeat. And as, you know, it's almost like I can, sometimes I can almost like hear the quality of my nervous system. Mm, wow. <laughs> and so what sound is, is, is basically a, a kind of um, a, a, a mechanical form of energy, which is the result of cells vibrating, essentially. And so it, in terms of us as human beings, we can, be, we can receive sound through our ears and through our bodies, through our tissues, as these vibrational patterns that we receive from the external world created by nature and you know by instruments and people singing and that kind of thing. Uh, but it's also our, our actual bodies emit sounds as well, you know, so that in, in the form of, and all of this, you know, in physics is, is known as phonon energy, right? Mm -hmm. Light energy, electromagnetic energy is different from that. That is known as photon energy. And a lot of healing uh, is, is ultimately a form of electromagnetic healing and electromagnetic energy, light energy work. Mm -hmm. What we're talking about is something related to that, but different. Sound is different from light, right? Both of them are vibrational forms of medicine. But sound is different from light, right? It is phonon as opposed to photon based. And but both forms. So when we talk about looking at the aura, that is a way of looking at the photon energy, the colors of, of our subtle energy body. I believe and there is some scientific basis to this that alongside the light energy body, there is also a bio sound energy body mm. right which operates in a similar way but is different and and that <clears throat> so our our bodies are emitting phone are emitting sound energy and also receiving it so it's like a two-way process and that <laughs> what we can do is that we can use sound itself so like instruments or our voice to actually detect patterns of the sound energy that a person's body is, is emitting naturally. And in that process, we can detect imbalances in the sound system, in the sound energy field, in the bio sound field. And we can then use the vibrations of sound to bring the, the imbalances in that system back into balance. And in doing that, we can restore and reactivate the body's natural healing abilities. Mm, that's a really and that is how sound healing works. That is a really beautiful way to put it as well too because um, the, the idea of an aura being the visual representation but then that idea that there is that sound body, um, that equivalent uh, sound body. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, of course, you can't really show that on a graph or, <laughs> you know, and you can't, you can't put it on a video because it's not something that is a visual product. It's a, it's, it's a sound product. So it's something that you experience through your ears and through your bodies. But, you know, it doesn't make it any less important because in mm. the high-tech medical world that we, we live in, you know, sound is also being used diagnostically to... Mm identify cancer, for example, it's also being used in the form of ultrasound or infrasound to treat kidney stones or to treat uh, fibroids, for example. Mm. And so, you know, there are real uses, it's both diagnostically and in treatment protocols in so called Western allopathic medicine, for the use of sound. And, and I believe that as we go on with this, <clears throat> you know, the, the, the science behind all of this will get more and more there will get there'll be more research there'll be more clinical trials there'll be more evidence base for this and it will be used increasingly by doctors medical doctors and and nurse practitioners and we're already seeing more and more of these people coming into our training anyway because there is a natural understanding i think that there's something here that is valuable and 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 is worthwhile pursuing and the thing is that um, 
and you know I'm sure we'll touch on this at some point if not now that the whole idea that ancient cultures have been using this for so long and um, like as always seems to happen um, they've been doing it for so so long successfully and then the west sort of refuses oh no that's just woo woo that makes oh no no that that's yeah. you know, that that belongs in the past that was something that was done 10,000 years ago um, yeah. and yet suddenly then a man in a white lab coat says oh wow this is this actually works and suddenly everyone sits up and takes notice and says <laughs> wow this sound thing it's got something to it yeah 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 it's so true it's so true and so sad in its own way isn't it, it that really it has is. to be like that these days you know but unfortunately it seems that's the way of the world at the moment yeah. uh, but of course you know we <clears throat> we really do need to respect the wisdom that is present in you know the ancient cultures in the in the in that ancient in those ancient practices in, in the indigenous forms of of working with sound that are still present with us and uh, you know fortunately we still have people from those cultures in different places around the world who who have that knowledge and wisdom and are able to pass that on to us you know and we we're very you know need to be very grateful for that yeah it's because um somehow you know there was an understanding and a learning that was there that was based on experience of the natural world and 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 how we as human beings are just such an integral part of the natural world you know we're, we're not separate from it we're an integral part of it and unfortunately I believe a lot of our illness and disease comes about through the separation that we create for ourselves from the natural world mm -hmm. and and in a sense the more we can restore that natural sense of balance and connection with nature the better you know it is for us all mentally physically emotionally and so on a hundred percent i had the same conversation uh, my husband and daughter and i just went to uluru we were only there for three and a half nights, which to you in England probably seems ridiculous, but it's, you know, it's only a few hours flight from Melbourne, so it's not too bad. Um, and I swear three three days at Uluru, it's the third time I've been there, um, is just I, I literally feel like I've just someone's just stuck a, you know, a power plug into me and, and recharged me. I feel like a completely new person. And as we were driving back through the CG late last night, back from the airport, I said to my mm -hmm. husband, I said, what is this land that we're coming home to after being in surrounded by this incredible landscape and this incredible history and these incredible mm -hmm. natural uh, phenomena, which just you stand in literal awe of and feel this energy. And then you come into yeah. the city and you just go, oh, my God, what are, what are we doing here? Yeah. But um, as you know, yeah. it's it, it, it really and I said exactly the same thing to him. I I. I firmly believe the same thing as well to our disconnection from the natural world i you know mm. i'm convinced that this is so so much to blame for for um for so much of of the problems that we have in modern society with health and and you know mental physical all of all of the above yeah and a lot more as well you know and then we can get <clears> on to you know all the wider environmental problems and climate change and all the rest of it you know or climate emergency as we might want to call it mm. Um, yeah, you know, it's all interconnected, I think. I mean, I'm very fortunate. I, you know, I, I actually grew up in, 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 you know, in Africa. Um, I was born and, and, and grew up there in Malawi, as it's now known at the time. It was Nyasaland. Wow. And, um, and so, you know, I, I actually kind of grew up with the sounds of, of village life. Of, of African village life around me. I mean, I wasn't living in that village. I was living close to it. And so some of my earliest memories are of, you know, the drumming circles that took place <laughs> around wow. around fires, you know, in the villages. And, and I, you know, and, and this, that, that somehow created a spark in me, I think, which I'm still honoring, still exploring and honoring, I, I, I would say. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. That, um, yeah, very, very powerful very powerful it's that community and that connection and taking it right back to to the basics of human connection isn't it yeah exactly you know and and, and that's part of the part of what we're doing i think with with the group kind of group work in, mm. in sound healing is is bringing in that element of community of of shared shared kind of space and sh around sounds that are actually very when, when we're talking mainly about 
you know, acoustic instruments and our voices in in, the, in this process, mm-hmm. and and using forms of sound that are quite simple in terms of their structure and their musicality. It's very easy for people to absorb this and and to feel peaceful and at ease. And and what we know from the man in the white coat, (laughs) the polyvagal theory of of Stephen Porges, is that for a lot of people, you know, they unfortunately through all this separation and disconnection, you know, there's a lot of trauma around for people. And an early early life trauma is a very powerful influencer in our lives, not only emotionally and 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 mentally, but also physically. And so later in life, you know that trauma which gets stuck and embedded creates patterns of of imbalance in our nervous system, which lead to other imbalances in our system and other forms of health and, and you know ill health and disease, and. You know, the understanding of that and in terms of the the science of the autonomic nervous system uh, as as uh, researched and and taught by Stephen Porges and other colleagues, is that safety is actually the prime ingredient for healing, for healing trauma. and And so when we do the sound healing one on one and in groups, you know, that's the first ingredient we need to really pay attention to is, is the safety of the space, the safety of the sounds, the safety and the connection that we establish, you know, between the people who are there. And, and that's so fundamental. Absolutely. And I guess that's the thing as well, too. It's, it's having somebody in that position who understands that and who's not there putting on a performance because some people might come to a sound bar thinking, oh, this person's just, they're just, oh, they're playing their instruments and it's, it's you know, how is this different to a, mm. a musical performance? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it is so completely different. It's not, if it's done correctly, it's not about that at all, is it? Absolutely. And, you know, you're a musician and you really understand this and Phoebe, you really get this and, and, and that's fantastic. And, and I'm, I, it's, it's so wonderful to hear you say that because, it's it's also I think that the, and another way of putting it I think is that you know if you go and see a a, a musical performance like a band or something <laughs> you know it's like it's 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 more like you're there to have an experience of an event okay like a mm. a one-off event you know and you want to have the the rush of emotion or whatever that's associated with the music of that band or that performer and so on. Um, But sound healing, as I see it in its truest sense, is not an event. Mm. It's not an experience of an event. It's a process that takes place that we can participate in, right? Both the people who are offering the sounds, who are creating the sounds in that sense, and for the people who are receiving them and, and engaging with them, with the sounds. Mm. And, and it's a whole, you know, it's, it's a participatory process that everyone's involved in. And it, it involves a lot more than just the sounds, than playing the instruments. So another key ingredient is the intention that, you know, we bring to it, both as the people so-called creating the sounds, as well as the people who were there. And so paying attention to that, paying attention to these aspects, say, of polyvagal theory, you know, the safety, all these other ingredients, these are all important factors. And one of the things that can get in the way of this effective process, this effective healing process, is the ego of the sound healer, as we might say, Mm. right? So if you are a very accomplished musician, singer, you know, songwriter, whatever, and DJ, whatever it might be, you know, and, and you've got a great following and you think, hey, you know, I'm a multi-instrumentalist. I can go and play these simple instruments, no problem, you know, and create this great show <laughs> and do all these wonderful techniques on the handpan or whatever it might be. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, it can sound really great and people can have a great experience as if they went to see a, a band, mm-hmm. but it's not necessarily very good sound healing. Mm. 
No, it's completely different because I, I do both. I, I do yeah. performances. I play my music, which is ambient neoclassical yeah. vibe, and it has elements yeah. of sound healing, of course. You know, I sample my shruti box. Yeah. I sample my crystal bowls. I sample my rav drum. They all go into the music. Yeah. <laughs> However, when I do a performance of my music, that is totally different. That is me performing my songs versus a sound bath. It's a completely different thing, completely different yeah, really thing. Is. But, you know, having said that, you know, people like you uh, as musicians and so on, you know, often can make really, really good sound healers <laughs> because well, you've got the musical understanding and knowledge and experience. As and, long yeah, as you can helps. separate the two out and actually go, yeah. it's not a performance, it's not a, and every, you have to be, you, you have to change what you're doing. I mean, look, as a performer, I would, you know, often change what I was playing based on the crowd and, oh, this person's not liking, you know, this this isn't going down well, yeah. let's change it up and stuff. But but it's yeah. it's totally different to that. It's feeling the energy of the group and actually working with that and actually having that intention for it to be about the mm. group and not about you performing for the group. I think that's what yes. it is. Yeah, that's the key, that's the key difference, isn't it? Yeah. And it's about being highly receptive. I mean, of course, mm. you were saying even as the performer in your new normal music, you're looking at the response of the audience to your what you're playing. And then you maybe mix up, you know, the you, you know, whatever the playlist is that you've got in your yeah. mind and so on, and you might change it. Um, but you know, or even play your songs differently or mm. sing slightly differently, you know, you can do all of that, can't you? But it's like but you, you take that to another level with mm. the sound healing work because you need to be highly receptive, as you said, to the energy of the the people in the room and the group that's there. And you you know, it's it's often said, isn't it, that you, you know, what is music? Well, music is a mixture of sound and silence. Mm. <laughs> so and and then but in in sound healing, the integral sound healing that we teach is that the the silence is just as important as the sound, you know. And and how much time and energy do we, well, how much space do we provide for generally in in a sound bath or in a sound treatment to the silence? Mm. You know, if you go to a sound bath, by most people, I bet there isn't much silence maybe a little bit at the beginning and a little bit at the end. Mm. But if, but you know, silence as I see it is really the language of spirit, mm. right? And if, if we're not healing our relationship to spirit in the sound healing process, then we're missing a whole dimension of healing, of the healing process. And unless we actually give space to the silence, alongside the sounds we're missing that dimension of it right and that is really fundamental in a way it's quite basic isn't it it's like okay spirit silence well let's have a lot of silence but most people are don't do it no. you know they just don't do it in the sound bath absolutely <laughs> and it's... yet my my personal feedback that i've had and what i get from others is that when you allow that to be there it's like wow how powerful that is yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, the same thing happened with a sound bath with me a couple of weeks ago. I, I actually purposefully at one point made extra silence at one point about halfway through because I felt right. this is going to be more powerful than actually playing something and also allowing yeah. the sounds to taper off. My morning mantra exactly. practice recently, um, I, I do mantra every morning and, and my morning mantra practice recently I've gravitated towards using my one of my Himalayan bowls and I love at the end actually just allowing the sound just to completely dissipate and you just go something com somewhere completely new mm. in allowing that, that sound to get tinier and tinier and tinier until there's absolutely nothing. Yeah. Um, it's so powerful. And it's the same with mantra as well. You know, you, you do a loud repetition, a quieter repetition, and then a silent repetition. Yeah. And the silent yeah, repetition yeah, is yeah, the yeah. is exactly. the most powerful by far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. There it's you again. go. It's just another another way of looking at it. And then also, you, you know, you take the take that a little bit further, that kind of metaphor or way of thinking, and you talk about Nada Yoga, right? Mm. In in its in its true sense, as I understand it, is that you take that 
that inner mantra and then you even let that go and then you then start to hear the inner sounds that are naturally occurring that is the natural sound of our being Wow. This is the Nada Yoga, the Anahata, you know, the Anahata sound, you know, the un, the unspoken sound and the unsounded sound. It's like, you know, that is all there. And, and if we're still enough and quiet enough, then we can touch in with that sacred sound current that actually connects us to our divine, you know, to our, div our divine essence. And, and so, you know, that's also an aspect of our being that I think we need to be encouraging and being aware of and to facilitate our, our ability to be still and quiet enough to be able to hear those sounds, which can be, in my experience, so incredibly blissful and so incredibly beautiful that it's like, well, why would I want to be anywhere else? Mm. And <laughs> when I've got that going. <laughs> and that's the thing going back to this modern world as well too, you know, there is so much. We are bombarded with sounds 24-7 yeah. constantly, notifications yeah. on your phone and all that, everything, every doorbells, podcasts, I mean, <laughs> podcasts, um, music, <laughs> everything. I mean, listen yeah, yeah. to music, listen to podcasts 100%, but, yeah. but yeah. also um, – have that space for silence, have that space for quiet and for peace. I find that after I do a sound bath, I can't listen to anything yeah. in the car. I get, I drive home with nothing in the car and it's just the yeah. most beautiful space just to process and just allow rather than a lot of people I'm sure would jump in the car and ring someone or, you know, put on a yeah. music <laughs> or something. It's, um, it's just so important to have mm. that, that space because we just don't mm. have it. We don't have it in this modern world. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So we've already touched on the on the um, vagal theory before, but in terms of you know sound healing, how it works. I mean, something one thing I don't think you've mentioned is brainwave entrainment um, and how sound mm -hmm. healing can work with that. So. I understand how that works, but for people who might not understand, if you mm -hmm. can just, you know, give a bit of an overview of how, how sound healing can help that and also the vagal toning, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean I'd mean, i say that the, the brainwave entrainment is, 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 is a, an aspect that came about before the understanding around polyvagal theory and, and 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 vagal toning and that kind of thing so you know in terms of our understanding of the so-called science of what's going on you know that came first and then the the vagal stuff came after mm -hmm. um so the brainwave entrainment um is that is based on this understanding that uh our that our our brain um operates typically in a multitude of frequencies but that at any given point in time there can be a coalescing of frequencies around a particular pattern and uh, and and depending on the state of our being you know that the pattern will be different okay so when we're in deep sleep deep dreamless sleep our brain waves are typically very slow and when we're actively engaged in busy everyday life, trying to think, you know, a lot about a particular problem and come up with solutions and so on, our brains are going to be firing, you know, much more actively. And therefore, the, the, the vibrational pattern of that, the frequency pattern of that is going to be much faster. That's a basic kind of difference. And the idea here is that... Um, is is that and this is basically the same with all forms of sound healing but it relates to the brain in this case is that we can we can match frequencies with frequencies okay and so and and in doing that we create a form of resonance and then the resonance starts to kind of spread out and and interact amongst itself and kind of becomes exponential in its effect and so what we can do is that we can match the frequencies of our brain patterns with the frequencies of sound. And then we can then use 
the sound, the vibrations of the sound of the of the acoustic sounds to then influence the brainwave patterns. So that if we want to kind of calm down essentially from a very active brainwave state and 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 we want to get into a frequency pattern that is you know technically known as something called theta state which is a slower state uh, which is very conducive to healing generally then you know we can introduce sounds that can help to calm down from a more anxious you know nervous state a busy mind state to something that is calmer and and in doing that you know we can then create the conditions for the body self-healing mechanisms to kind of like kick in and become more active again amazing. so that's essentially what's going on there with brain wave entrainment amazing and the vagus nerve as well too yeah well the vagus nerve is interesting i mean <clears throat> you know the, the the conventional medical model has it that our autonomous nervous system has these two main components the sympathetic and the parasympathetic and the vagus nerve which is actually a nerve that comes out from the um, the base of the skull from the brain the brain stem is tip is known as um cranial nerve number 10 and, and comprises 75% of the so-called parasympathetic nervous system. So there's, and, and it's, it's a nerve um, that essentially operates in the, in the upper part of the body, particularly down to the heart, right? Um, and then there's another nerve complex, another nerve plexus um, around our sacrum, which basically forms the other 25% of the parasympathetic system. So we can work with sounds like or the vibrations of, say, tuning forks or singing bowls or even toning into and around the, the, the sacrum, and, and we can activate more the parasympathetic nervous system in that area. But the vagus nerve being 75% of the parasympathetic system is is one that is the most obviously going to have the most effect if if we want to activate the so-called parasympathetic so parasympathetic is connected up with rest and digest so it's the kind of the calm healing mechanism and sympathetic is more the fight and flight mechanism mm. in our body and really what we want is an aut autonomic nervous system which which accounts for a large it actually directly controls all of the main organs functioning in our bodies so like our heart all the digestive organs um uh, primarily and our lung function as well as affected by that and so the quality of our autonomic nervous system has a massive impact in terms of our health and well-being and if we have a dysregulation in our autonomic nervous system, then that is a fundamental basis for disease and, and ill health, mentally, physically, emotionally, and so on. And so uh, what we now understand from polyvagal theory is that it's a bit more of a subtle distinction about what's going on with the aut autonomic nervous system. And so there is this aspect of it, the, the vagus, uh, nerve in in this theory in this approach is actually divided into two parts there's really one part it's got very technical terms but i just want to keep it simple one is more related to what's an upper part and a lower part and if we can work with the upper part which is known as the ventral vagal system the lower part is the dorsal but we can work consciously with the upper part to create metaphorically what's called a vagal break and by introducing a vagal break into the system, we can not only um, uh, diminish the effect of the sympathetic, the fight or flight, you know, the nervous kind of nervous response that's there. And we can also diminish a freeze that can occur when we're overloaded and we just go into shutdown. All right. Mm -hmm. So by toning the vagus nerve, we bring about greater regulation in our autonomic nervous system we introduce the capacity to break these patterns from the past and also to bring about greater kind of control and ease 
to interact with the world again, not only uh, with people, but also with the natural world as well. So vagal toning is, is really fundamental. And the more it's done, the more effective it becomes. It's not less a one-off thing. And so we can use the vagal toning. We can do that by using sound mm. because the vagus nerve, it goes very close to our vocal cords in particular. So we can use vocal toning very effectively for that. We can also put tuning forks, you know, in certain places around our neck, which also create vocal to, uh, vagal toning. There's other things we can do as well. But, you know, sound healing can be really effective in this process. Absolutely. And going back to mantra as well too, you know, obviously mantra yeah. is so integral in that as well too. And I always encourage people to uh, sing mantra and not be caught up with this whole, I'm not a singer, I don't have a good voice. It's like it, yeah. doesn't, it actually doesn't matter. As long as you're generating sound within yourself, you're, you're doing yourself good. That's the thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, 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 and I think what, what's important to understand there is that it's, it's not just this, but it, it does relate to breathing patterns as well. Okay. So what's known is that when we breathe in, typically we stimulate the sympathetic aspect of our nervous system. And when we breathe out, we're typically stimulating or reinforcing the parasympathetic mm -hmm. Or the, or the vagal toning, you know. And so when we're singing or chanting mantras, then we take an in-breath and then we extending, you know, the out-breath essentially mm. as we sing and chant. And so by extending the out-breath, we're actually placing greater emphasis on the parasympathetic, on the vagal uh, toning. And so that's naturally occurring as we do that. <laughs> and so, you know, that's why singing, chanting is one of the reasons why it's so powerful and effective in this, in this sense. Absolutely. I hadn't, <clears throat> I hadn't actually thought, I do remember coming across that probably in some of my training with you guys. And I hadn't actually thought about that very simple, very elegant point for a while, actually. <laughs> it's so true. As soon as you actually start vocalizing you do automatically slow down your exhale yeah 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 i mean apparently i mean i haven't actually read this but i've heard that there is a, a scientific study another you know white man in the coat but it might actually be a woman in this case <laughs> probably not wearing a white coat but <laughs> that has actually looked at the um the the that issue of is it just the breathing pattern with singing that creates the healing or is it something in the singing itself that creates the healing? And what they found is that, yes, they both have an effect, but the singing actually is, is important here. You know, the actual vocal, the actual, uh, the sounds that we create with our voice mm. is actually more significant than just the breathing out part. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's kind of important to have both happening really. And, of and course, it's not just about extending your breathing. So you breathe in for a count of four and you breathe out for the count of six. You know, that's a breathing pattern that will actually calm you down. But if in the breathing out, we can also introduce the sound, mm. then you're having twice of the effect. And humming, breathing. humming being such and a humming, great one well, as humming well. Humming doesn't have to be mantra, does it? Just humming even is mm. great. Yeah. I've recommended Jonathan Goldman's humming book to so many different people yeah. um, oh, for that for yeah. that in that exact um, instance, and um, particularly the audio book because you can actually hum along with the different exercises. <laughs> you don't need to sort of read yeah, them. Yeah. But um, yeah. actually, on that as well too, I'd love to pick your brain on this. Do you own a cat, or are you a cat person? I know this is probably going yeah, to be great. Yeah, actually, yeah, you are yeah, amazing. Yeah, okay, yeah. so we've just got our new kitten, whose name's Terry, and he's wonderful, and he's just purrs and purrs and purrs. And I was thinking about it the other mm. day, and thinking, I wonder. So, do cats? Question one: Do cats also have a vagus nerve? And two: Is purring is that them toning their vagus nerve? Is that them? <laughs> toning their, you know, working into their parasympathetic nervous system and calming themselves down because it's what they do when they're happy. It's what they do. But I've also been told cats also purr when they're upset. So is that them mm. regulating their, their mm. nervous system? Vagal break. Yeah, 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 absolutely. absolutely. Could well be. I mean, I don't know. If, maybe we need to go and ask them. But I know, uh, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, even what thinking are you doing here? Why are you doing all this purring? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> you know, it, it's it's it, it's fascinating, isn't it? I mean, yes, all mammals do have this same, you, you know, um, poly. You know, in terms of polyvagal theory, it is based on evolutionary biology, hmm. and, and so there is the sense that you know, mammals generally, as part of nature's evolution, have all got the same system. So there yeah, cats go. have got it too. Because I was thinking about it as well to even horses that go, you know, yeah, is that another type of vagal yeah. toning? And, you know, yeah. think of other, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. just, I was thinking it the other day and going, I'd love to talk to someone about this. So here we go. I'm talking to you. <laughs> I usually talk to my husband. It's usually just go. as he's there about to fall you manifested asleep. me to have the conversation. <laughs> right. Well done. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of other examples. Yeah. But, you know, I think it's, there is something special about the cat's purring, isn't it? And we mm. love it. And having the cat on your lap who's purring and, you know, and we're stroking the cat to facilitate the purring. It's it's doing them good and it's doing us good. And apparently, you know, the cat's purr is at 45, 50 hertz, which is quite low. And so, you know, that's also very calming for us and a very healing frequency in itself. And, you know, it's all it's all connected, I think. <laughs> it really is. It it really is. So there you go. I please feel free to um send through any other examples of um of animals that might be <laughs> vagal toning with their with their different <laughs> sustained <laughs> notes or sounds so look just to go back a bit as well too how exactly did you get into sound healing you mentioned the shiatsu um training and and sort of coming from that and then obviously there's stories of africa and stuff were you a musician beforehand or was it more of a therapy how did you come to sound healing mm. <clears throat> well, it, it's probably a bit of a, a bit of a multitude of things, really. I mean, yeah, okay, I had that influence with with sound and music you know, from the African people that were around me when I was a boy. Um, you know, I, I ooh, an, another significant experience in relation to sounds, more from you could say, uh, <clears throat> uh, perhaps more from a spiritual um, dimension, was that maybe because I was. Uh, Born and brought up in Africa, and I was actually born. My my, my father family had a, you know, was quite strong Catholics. I was sent away to a boarding school in England uh, at, at quite a young age, a Catholic boarding school, and uh, the, the one when I was essentially a teenager was run by Catholic monks in an abbey school, mm. <laughs> and so um, part of the practice of them, uh, of, of the monks who were not the teachers. So there were these two groups of monks in, in this school environment I was in. There were the teacher monks, and then there were the practicing monks who were more like, you know, more uh, there to do the main part of their practice was the Gregorian chanting. Okay. And mm -hmm. so what happened for me was that when I got there, which was in the early 1970s, um, it was <coughs> mandatory that all the students had to go to mass every morning at six o'clock. <laughs> so that's how we started the day. We had to get up early and go to mass. And then <clears throat> after about a year of me being there, the whole thing got a bit more liberalized and uh, and that requirement was taken away. And But I got so much benefit, I found, from going into the abbey where the mass was held that I voluntarily got up to go there every day on my own account. And by this time, you know, it was no longer like 600 people in the abbey. It was like me and one other student and, and a priest, you know, one of the monks in a side chapel. And, you know, and, and I had, I would say I had a really strong connection with, in, in Catholic terms, in Christian terms, it's called God, but, you know, it's source energy as I see it now. Mm. And and it's the divine. I had a really strong connection. And, and I think that some of these monks, kind of recognized that and they invited me a bit more into the, their world and so I got this whole experience of Gregorian chant and the effects of that at wow. quite a young age and then I entered into the school choir basically and so we sang quite a lot of what is now called sacred music but it's basically the, the Christian psalms and hymns and all of that and uh, you know, so that was pretty important. But then when I went to university, I then got introduced to Buddhist monks. And, and I then kind of like threw myself more into the whole kind of like Buddhist practices, which to me, the bit that had the biggest effect was the chanting of the mantras. Mm. 
And then the silence that followed the chanting. And it was in the silence, again, that I had the most profound experiences. <laughs> mm. So, you know, I would go on retreats and all of that, you know. So now I was like in my early 20s, you know. And so, you know, that's in terms of age. And so those were quite formative experiences for me, I think. And then, but then when I started to get really interested in uh, therapy and healing, I think as a result of all of that, because I think I became very sensitive to the suffering of, of people and the destruction of life on this planet, even, you know, in the 1970s, environmentalism started to really take off. Mm. And I kind of really got into that. And, and so focusing my attention more on trying to do something positive to help people suffering <laughs> became important to me. And so that's when I entered into the shiatsu. Initially, I was attracted by the concept or the idea of a Zen shiatsu. <laughs> and so uh, which is a, a form of shiatsu that is very, you know, paying attention to a lot of the kind of like the Zen quality there. Um, and so that's how I got into it. And, uh, you know, so I suppose I, I, I kind of, you know, grew up with those kind of influences. And then a few other things kind of happened. You know, I carried on. I'm more of a singer than a musician, I would say. But, you know, I do have played a variety. I suppose I'm more more on the rhythm side, the drumming side than anything else, if I was to focus my attention on instruments. But, um, you know, I found it fairly easy to pick up these sound healing instruments. I mean, I actually did a sound healing practitioner training myself with the Color of Sound Institute which is the, the original name for the Soundini Academy. It was formed in 2003 by Rachel Burnett. And I trained with her soon after she formed and then did my whole practitioner training with her. So by then I had already been a, a shiatsu practitioner and then did coach training and I'd been doing that for like 20 years. And then I got into the sound, uh, he, sound healing and um, as, a, as a professional in a way. And uh, and then she said to me, had you ever thought of being a teacher of it? And I said, I hadn't. And she said, well, I think you might be quite good. So why <laughs> don't you give that a try? So I, I kind of learned how to do that a bit with her. And then she said, oh, well, you know, I'm really quite keen to give more of my time and energy to um, uh, writing children's books. And and so how do you feel about taking over running the school? And I said, well, I hadn't even thought about that. She said, well, how about it? So I said, okay. <laughs> and, and that's how it came about. That was about 2010. Amazing. Um, and so, yeah, I guess the last 12, 13 years, I've been really involved in, you know, running this um, wonderful uh, you know, community now and a whole team of people that have developed and, uh, and and we're doing all this amazing, wonderful work, you know, spreading these good vibrations, so to speak. Yeah, and <laughs> I think there's something like nearly 60 of us now involved as teachers and tutors wow. and back, you know, back office type of people and all the rest of it. It's, it's developed into quite a team. That is incredible. Congratulations to actually <laughs> run with that and to build it into such a successful business and, and one which is helping people on so many different levels. It's um it's incredible. So hats hats off. So in terms of what you guys offer, I mean, I already know what you offer, but um, you know, in short, I mean you've obviously got the online courses, the the workshops as well too. Where where do the workshops actually run? Australia, clearly, as well, England, I'm assuming. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I think our three main <coughs> countries where we're operating is Australia, UK, so that includes Scotland as well as England and Wales and so on. But it's, um, and also the America, uh, the USA. And so those are the three main countries. So, I mean, even in Australia, I don't know exactly, you know, who's going to listen to this, but in Australia, you know, we're operating in most of the major cities, basically, and um, and locations and wonderful locations like Byron Bay and so on. So it's um, Melbourne even, you know, we've got Inga in Melbourne now teaching. And so it's, you know, it's, it's great. Um, it's growing as well. You know, I think there's a lot of potential for, 
for, for more people to join in. Um, through the online and and workshops, we I'd say our most popular courses are what we call our multi-instrument courses. So this is where people generally learn how to work with six easy to play instruments, well, one of them being our voice, um, but you don't have to be a singer to do that well. And and so, yeah, so Tibetan singing bowls, crystal singing bowls, handheld uh, frame drums, gongs, and tuning forks, plus the voice, those are the main things. There are ancillary instruments that support that that we get into as well. And we do that at different levels. So level one and level two. Level two is more the practitioner diploma. Level one is more the foundation and, and introduction to it. But we also then offer the more specialist uh, training. If you want to dive into one of those instruments in more depth, then you can do that both workshops and online as well. So those are more like master classes, you could say, that are there and available for people. And the great thing is and, too and that... Yeah. The the great thing that I found as well too is that the um the online content you can just continue to access it, so you can go back and actually rehash it. Like for example, if you don't use a particular instrument for a while, and then you can actually go back and and sort of look into it as well too, and and continue. Yeah, to- that's a really that's a really good way of of thinking about it. Yes, it is. It's you know, ongoing. even with the workshop training, you, you get access to all the online um, content that's there and. Yeah, I can't remember how many hours I'd spent recording all this stuff, but having run all these workshops myself for, you know, for many years, basically, um, I became aware that just to help to make it more accessible for people and to reinforce the learning that people are getting and the experience that people are getting in the workshops, it'd be really helpful to have online videos, basically, Mm. and, and other resources to reinforce all of that and to make it more accessible. And so... Yeah, created, I uh, don't know how many, hundreds, hundreds of videos, content, you know, across across all of these platforms, probably, you know, getting close to a thousand videos now. Um, and it is it is a wonderful resource that's available for people. And currently when people join us, they get it for life. So, yeah, yeah. it's always there. Amazing. And so in that as well, so just wrapping up, so where, where can people find you guys online? Facebook, yeah, Instagram. Yeah, Facebook, Instagram, Facebook, uh, YouTube, yeah, all of that. <laughs> so, I mean, the main website is academyofsoundhealing.com. So that is just as it's uh, spelt as it sounds, academyofsoundhealing.com. And then we've got, uh, yeah, we've got the similar Facebook presence and um I think it's uh, slightly abbreviated for Instagram and YouTube. You can find us there as well. Yeah, I think, you know, we've got about 20,000 people on um, following us on, on YouTube and, you know, s- slightly less on Facebook and Instagram. But, you know, it's it's, um, it's great. It it's is. Great. And there's also the, the Facebook group as well too for practitioners that can that – can, um offer up questions and stuff so which is great yeah that's right we've got we've got our own community essentially <laughs> our own support group for practitioners and students i think there's something like three thousand people on that now in the facebook group so yeah it's um it's really amazing i have to say there's just incredible people in in our in our community not only the teachers and tutors but practitioners like you you know phoebe it's it's an incredible um incredible variety of of I mean, you know, what we found is that people who go into this come from probably three main backgrounds, right? One is the are the musicians and singers. Um, another is the the yoga practitioners, mm. and and the third are more the healers and therapists. So you know, some are all three. <laughs> like I think you might be all three. I don't know, but it's like I did my teacher you know, training, but, but I've never ta- taught yoga. But I did study my teacher training. <laughs> oh right, okay, yeah, yeah. And then, um, and then of course, it's just people who are just generally interested. So there, there's that fourth category. But when you put all of those types of people together into one space, you know, in workshops or on, in an online community, you know, it's, it's there's an incredible support network there with from a variety of perspectives which is really helpful oh it's amazing i know that there's been a couple of times that i've had um sort of uh curly things come up either in private one-on-one sessions or something's happened that's been a bit interesting and it's it's great you can jump on and say hey guys has this ever happened to you with a client or or you know Mm -hmm. i've got this coming up which is a really special needs 
person has anyone got any experience with dealing with someone in a similar in a similar situation and um incredibly supportive i've had people email me you know pages of mantras to use in particular <laughs> circumstances and yeah really wonderful very supportive community brilliant it is brilliant. so oh, thank you again you. thank you for setting it up and thank you for for fostering it and nurturing it and and yeah thank you thank you and thank you most of all for for tonight tonight my time today your time you're in the past i'm in the future i'm finishing my tuesday you're just <laughs> beginning it <laughs> and um yeah thank you just cannot thank you enough tony and um yeah oh, phoebe thank you as well and thank you for this opportunity to talk with you today it's been it's been really great i really appreciate it and it's um it's very stimulating for me as well to be involved in these conversations and helps me to connect with why I do it and why it's important and, and I really value that. So thank you so much. Amazing. And thank you for also training with us too. And hopefully it's still influencing uh, your lives and the lives of many other people around you. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. Thanks so much, Tony. All right. Bye now. Thank you. I hope you all enjoyed this week's episode and a deep dive into the world of sound healing with the principal of the Sound Healing Academy, Tony Neck. As always, if you enjoyed this week's episode, please share it with those that you love and don't forget to follow it and rate it as well. And I'm not seeking financial gain from this podcast, but if you do feel like showing your appreciation, please direct it to a non-profit instead. This week, I asked Tony who he would like this week's charity to be, and his selection was Music for Good. They can be found at musicforgood.uk. Based in Cornwall, they believe in the positive and life-changing powers of music and believe that people of all ages, circumstances or backgrounds should be able to grow, live well and reach their potential. I hope you'll join me next week when we speak to an absolute legend in the field of sound healing. It was a really wonderful chat, which goes off on quite a different tangent to one that I have with Tony today. So I hope you'll join me. Meanwhile, keep your ears and hearts open.